and welcome to another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. And we are going to be talking about another patron requested game. This one comes to us from our patron Robert C., who wants us to talk about Bionic Commando for the Nintendo. But before we jump, or I guess you can't jump a Bionic Commando, before you use your arm to awkwardly swing forward to that game, uh, Billy, what have you been playing since our last episode? Dredge. Dredge, dredge, and more goddamn dredge. Um, I, uh, but on the aside, I actually um, played through uh, that, that the Bloodborne DLC. I talk about it like it's brand new, but no, I it's something I've always had since it came out. Never played it. Um, just played through again, started a new game, played through and and completed it, and then finished the game again. Um, still. God dang, it's still got to be the, the top of the whole, you know, Souls series of games, the whole universe of games. That's, that's still got to be at the top. This this last playthrough just cemented that in for me. Um, but no, Dredge, uh, to, to a great extent, I, I, we, we cranked out a bonus show on it, um, which was probably the most uh, love and affection we have all universally showed a game maybe in the history of the show. Um, but no, uh, it's, I'm, I'm still playing through. Uh, I'm trying to avoid uh, doing what, you know, the, the main quest on there. I'm, I'm trying to finish up little side things. I'm trying to catch up. Pokemon. I'm trying to catch them all, all those fish hundred plus to fill out that whole, in, that whole encyclopedia thing you have or whatever they call it. Um, I've, I have a next to last one more little upgrade for the ship, I think. Uh, I've, I've maxed out my inventory. Uh, it, it makes it a lot more manageable getting along. Uh, I'm just, I'm really loving that game. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the better experiences I've had with games this year. Uh, but I'm, I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm biding my time until the new Zelda hits. Uh, which is coming really soon. So I'm going to have to try to knock Dredge out before that, because that's that's where all my focus is going. Yeah, I'm still playing a lot of Dredge, too, because I'm trying not to finish it um, until I do everything. Um, although I think after I finish it, I'll have to go back and see. I may have screwed something up, and I may have failed a mission you Ooh. can't fix. But maybe that's how it's supposed to end. I don't know yet. But I will Oh, we're, 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 we're talking the same one. Um, but yes, I don't know either. Yeah, and, I, and I don't want to look it up. But the other, um, along with you know continuing to play Valheim with some of the folks on our Discord, uh, we do score challenges on the Discord once in a while. Every other week, we put a game up for a week to see what people can do. And because of the most recent batch of Genesis additions to the Switch, I picked one of those at random that seemed like it would be a good score challenge. So we played a lot of Flicky for the week. I uh, did not win that challenge. I never do. I have yet to win any of them. But uh, our Discord gets into it. It's fun. Uh, if you're interested in, in simple score challenges, especially if they're games that are on the Switch, uh, we do them over on the Discord. But the other thing, because I am also excited about Zelda, but I I don't know if I was more excited for Zelda or the game that I've already purchased and been playing. I've picked up Jedi Survivor, and it is mm. wonderful. Now, I've seen a lot of people complain that like the PC port is really bad, and people are even complaining about the Xbox S version, but I'm playing it on Xbox Series S, and other than some minor stuttering that it 
does not affect the gameplay itself. Some of the cinematics are a little chunky, and like the intro to the game itself, for whatever reason, like the the developer logo looks like trash. But the rest of the game actually plays pretty well, and mm-hmm. I've been having a good time with that. I loved the first game, so I was very excited that they were putting out a sequel. Um, so far, I like that it doesn't reteach you everything. Like it doesn't make you go back and like for some reason forget all your force powers. Instead, you get to start out with what you learned last time. It does tell you again, don't forget to push this button to do it. But you already have that ability, and you have some other abilities that you've learned since then because your character is. Uh, you know, had some adventures. It doesn't. It doesn't start right when the previous game ended. So I'm, I'm quite enjoying that. I'm not extremely far in. So perhaps next game, next uh, episode, I'll talk about how you know five planets in this game is a frame rate trashed mess and it's not worth playing. But right now, I'm having absolutely no problems with it on my Series S. Um, so I, I would recommend that if you if you like the first one. Um, I, I wish I could say I was playing more Bloodborne. That's the only Souls game that I really haven't gotten far in. Like I haven't finished Sekiro, but I'm at the last boss, and I haven't finished. Honestly, I haven't finished Dark Souls 3, but I'm close to the end of that. I, I've yet to get farther than like two or three bosses into Bloodborne. Not because I don't like it. I just, I don't know what it is. It just, I stink at it. I, I'm really bad at that game. And I'm good at the other Souls games. I'm good at Elden Ring. I'm good at those. It's just something about Bloodborne uh, does not does not gel with me as well as it should. But I do like it. And I'm going to eventually get better at it. But uh, a guy I know who is better at Bloodborne than me is Jeremy. What have you been playing? Unfortunately, not Bloodborne. But... I, I have been kind of wanting to play it now that you guys are talking about it. Um, I've been playing a lot of Dredge still. Uh, if if you've ever wanted to know or wanted to hear what Billy sounds like when he actually likes a video game, go listen to that podcast, uh, that bonus episode that we did. Um, <laughs> you get to hear it for like a full hour. Um, that game is great, and I, I was kind of pleased to see that they're, they're still going to be supporting it with new DLC and stuff like that and I was excited to see they're they're putting a passive mode in in the game at some point where it sounds like it's less stressful I guess you know you don't have to worry about fish killing you or you know any of the the one hit kills or whatever that the that the trouble you can get yourself into in that game just playing regularly so that'll be nice and also they're bringing improvements to the map which is one thing I forgot to mention in that episode is just trash (laughs) it's just like a it's just a very static map you can't put any sort of markers on it and if there is one game where you need to put markers on that map besides valheim it is dredge because there's so much stuff around there and you just kind of have to commit it to memory or you know draw your own map but the thing i've actually been playing it on is a steam deck and i bought one of those uh about a month or two ago and i've been been trying it out there was a sale going on so i was like you know i I got this new job and i'm just kind of sitting around here at my desk most of the day so i'm gonna i'm gonna try this steam deck out and it is probably you know i've never been that big into handheld gaming but this is finally kind of tipping me towards it you know it's it's super comfortable it's uh you know just the I don't know. It's hard to describe. It is comically large. I think that was my first impression of taking it out of the box. And I was like, this this can't be this big. It is. It is massively huge. It's like if you put, you know, some of those crazy um, Joy-Cons, custom Joy-Cons on your, on your Switch that just makes it seem like a foot long. Well, this is the real deal. It is like a foot long. It's uh, It's insanely large. But it makes for a very comfortable experience. It's not heavy or anything like that. And I'm having fun just kind of sitting here at my desk, you know, playing Dredge and stuff like that that I've been that I really haven't been playing too much of on my consoles because whenever I get on a console, I usually play a larger game. 
but it's perfect for those smaller games. And I know that I'm late to the party on being able to play smaller games on a handheld system, <laughs> but you know, I, it was fun on the switch, but it, it is just, it's much more comfortable. I'll say on a steam deck. And if you haven't played one, I, I check it out if you're interested, at, you know, when they go back on sale or something like that. But really, yeah, that's basically what I've been doing, just going back and rediscovering a bunch of old games in my Steam library that I can play on, on the Steam Deck. Yeah, I, I looked at getting one because previously my favorite handheld was the Vita. And I was like, man, I want another handheld. My Vita's trashed. You know, will the Steam Deck work? It, it can play Persona 4, which is really the only reason I wanted my Vita back. Uh, there were other games I wanted, but that's really like the core game. And now I can play that on everything, including the Switch. So now I've kind of held off on buying one. But I'm excited that they're good because there's also a ton of PC games that I haven't played since I'm using the world's oldest and saddest laptop to do everything, including record this podcast. But I didn't need to do it to play the game we're going to talk about today. Bionic Commando for the Nintendo. <laughs> As I mentioned at the start of the show, this was a patron request, but this patron did not want to do an interview. He said that he did not like the tone of my voice. No, no I'm kidding. He uh, he just didn't want to do an interview. He was fine with that. He did want me to tell everybody that, that it was a beloved game of his when he was a kid. He was good enough with that, uh, but then playing it again now, he wasn't sure that maybe there would be enough to talk about. I, I would have to disagree, and I guess we'll find out. Uh, also, make sure to mention that it's one of the few sequel games that is far better than the first game. Uh, and then he mentioned where we could find him on TikTok. Uh, which is at Robert Carr 75. I'll put it in the comments to the podcast as well. So uh, thank you for the recommendation, Robert. Um, now, I know that we've all had to have played Bionic Commando before. I can't imagine anyone our age that had access to Nintendo that hadn't at least tried Bionic Commando. Yeah, no, uh, this was uh, this was a game. I never owned it. Um, I, I rented it a few times over. But moreover, um, the the cousin that I've, I've, I've often spoke of did own a copy of this. And it was one of those games that when I went over to his house before we really settled in, you know, and whatever, whatever two player thing we were getting into that night, I would always play through it a little bit because for some reason I was never good at this game. And, and, and not as in I couldn't finish the game. Um, you know, oh, I can make it all the way to the end, but not finish. No, I, I could not progress hardly at all. Uh, I don't know what it was. I don't know if I just couldn't get used to. We'll talk about the, the you know replacement for the jump in here, the the swing. I, I don't know if I just couldn't get used to the the distance. I couldn't judge things correctly. Um, it's, it's part of the problem is when you go in those neutral towns. I've got a fucking hair trigger, so I, I never made friends when I was in those areas. Uh, it's just a lot of things. Just just fell into place and I just was not good at this game so when it came up one of the things I was really interested in because I haven't played it in years it's one of those I kind of kind of wrote off uh, was to see if I'm, I'm still struggling like that nowadays or if you know I, I'm a little more level-headed a little less you know wanting to play this like a, a regular old you know side scrolling you know jump and fucking shoot um because there is a little more thought that has to be put into it just by the mechanics of it. I, I, I mean, people can get so good at swinging around that it just, it's so fluid. Uh, but between that and the map, which is more one of the, it's, it's, it's unique. I'll give you that much. 
Um, it looks like it, that map looks like a board game that if someone had it out and asked me if I wanted to play, I would say hell no. Um, it, it's just it's it's so strange and just it, it's weird. Uh, it's, it's it's a lot of things in this game. It tried a lot of things that back at that time I had never seen before. And it, it, it didn't do well for me back then. So that was the big thing going into it now was, was I just a piece of shit kid that couldn't appreciate anything? And I was overlooking a really great game. I never actually played it as a kid. I, I mean, I, I played the arcade version, mm. which is, you know, it, that is like a more generic kind of action game, except you got an arm, you know, the bionic arm that you can swing around the stage with. And I, I wasn't the biggest fan of that game in the arcade. So when I saw it in, you know, at the, the video store, I just never rented it because I, I you know, I, I just figured it was like that. And it wasn't until years and years later when I did actually play it. Like I watched a, a, a guy that I was living with play through it. And I was like, what is this game? <laughs> this is, it's nothing like what it was in the arcade. It's, you know, nothing like it's, uh, prequel commando which i did love so it, it it i don't know it never hit me as a kid and i i didn't really appreciate it uh, for what it is and until much later until i was like you know 20 25 years old or something see this is surprising to me because i assumed this was a game that everybody played everyone i know with an nes either had this game or had a close friend with this game and we had all played it um, as Billy mentioned, the biggest piece of this that makes it difficult, I think at first is that you have, uh, you can't jump that you, you know, it's a two button Nintendo controller for, for action. So you have a shoot button and then you have a button that controls your arm is what you, you use it like shoots forward, like a, uh, it's a robotic extending arm and it will grab onto certain things and let you swing back and forth. Uh, and that's how you have to get around the levels by using your arm to, to move around. Uh, that, that was really the, the hurdle to overcome for anybody playing this game was learning how to use that jump effectively, how to use that, that, that ability to swing yourself around instead of a jump effectively. Um, but before we get into Bionic Commando itself, as Jerry mentioned, this is actually the sequel, um, along with Robert mentioned this, to the original game Commando. Commando came out in 1985 in the arcades. It was an early NES game, and it's a more traditional top-down run-and-gun game. It's, you know, like Akari Warriors, but it's not dual-stick, so you have to fire the direction you're moving. It makes it uh, a lot harder to play than a game like Akari Warriors, but it, it, it's a game everybody played. I think everyone has tried a, a port of Commando. The Nintendo port is very close to the arcade. It's it's similar enough that you're like, yep, that's that's the same kind of game I played. Um, so Bionic Commando came out in 1987, supposedly the sequel to Commando, but it's completely different. Instead of being this top-down action game, it is a side-scrolling action game where, again, you cannot jump. You only have the ability to fire or to use your arm to launch yourself around the map. Um, unlike the Bionic Commando Nintendo game, it is a very traditional arcade game. There are seven levels. You go you know, through the level to find the exit. Sometimes there are tough enemies to fight in the middle. Everything kills you in one hit. It is, it is very difficult. I've played a bunch of the arcade game because it is uh, on the, uh, the new Evercade that has the, the Capcom arcade collections, uh, along with the other Capcom arcade collections, all of Bionic Commander. So I've tried it over the years, and I tried it again before this podcast, just to see like how different is it. I mean, the mechanics are the kind of the same for how your character moves, but that's pretty much it. Uh, because Bionic Commander on the NES, which came out in 1988, is a completely redesigned game from what the arcade game is. It's got some of the same themes. Again, you have the same movement. You're not even technically the same character that you were in the arcade game, uh, but it, it instead of being this traditional arcade game where you have seven levels to go through, uh, it is a an adventure game, it, really. You have a, a large map you can see at the start of the game uh, with numbered quadrants from 1 to 19, 
and you're just thrown in the start of the map right before area number one and not really sure what you're supposed to do. Uh, you have a helicopter that will fly over those areas. You don't control it. This is the map that gets you in between each level. Uh, then you get to, to section number one and it says, what do you want to do? Transfer or, uh, or descend. And if you choose to descend, you go into the action levels of the game. So you'll notice uh, when you start playing the first level is that this now is a side-scrolling uh, side scrolling, but also uh, vertical scrolling game. It's, it's not not as crazy as a Sonic level, but it's not just a straightforward like Contra style run from the left to the right and shoot everything and get to the end. You have to actually do some exploring. Uh, there are enemies to shoot. You do have unlimited bullets that you can fire, so that's not a problem. But again, the first thing you'll notice is that your character, um, who is I don't remember what his name is. Your, your oh, your name is Lad, and you're supposed to rescue Super Joe, who is the the character who was the hero in Commando and Bionic Commando, who's been taken. You know, captive behind enemy lines, so you've been sent in kind of as the one-man army to save him. So you'll notice that Lad can't jump. He has this robot arm. You have to learn how to use that grappling arm to do all the maneuvering. And the first level starts out where you don't even really need to use it at the very beginning. You can just kind of run, shoot. Okay, great. And then you get to a part where you clearly can't make it over this big ravine, and you've got to go back a little bit to, to earlier part of the map and, and start launching yourself kind of up in a vertical direction to find other pathways through the level that require you to actually use your grappling arm to get to those higher levels. Uh, the first level, and the first few levels of this game, really, the uh, the arm is not as big of a problem other than just getting used to it, right? You, you think, man, I wish I could jump because there's a guy I really want to hit. He's a, you know, he's, he's just over that to the next ledge. If I could just jump, literally, I could hop and make it over there, but your character doesn't even hop. He just falls off the edge, and if you fall, you know, off the bottom of the screen, you instantly die. You do start with a couple hit points. You can gain more hit points because as you kill enemies, you'll get these little um, experience point drops. And those will require you to or try again. Those little experience point drops, and if you get enough of those, which when you pause the game, it tells you how many more you need, you will gain a level which gives you another hit point. Um, I think when I finished the game this time, I had five hit points. I don't know if you can get a lot more than that. Uh, but those each require you to get hit. You know, you, like you take hits, uh, and you can find healing items in the level as well. But when you start the game, I think you start with two hit points. Uh, and again, if you fall, it's an instant death. You have three lives. And if in that first level, you manage to, you know, poorly use your swing arm, fall off the side three times and you die, you go back to the starting screen and there are no continues. You just immediately have to restart the game and you're like, huh, I didn't get even through the first level of the game. I have 19 more levels, it looks like, based on this map. I died a bunch and I'm never going to learn this arm. So I understand why this may have been a little frustrating when you were younger. It was definitely frustrating for me uh, as a kid, but because this was a game that was Capcom, we all thought, okay, we're missing something, because Capcom makes good games. At this point in time, Cap I mean, they still do now, but at the time, it was like Capcom was a top-tier NES developer, and there was something we were all missing about this game. We were going to figure it out, and I think I think there is a lot to this later on uh, if you get into it, but I can see how a lot of people may have gotten through the first two or three levels and was like, you know what? This is not for me. I would rather play a Contra. This is not my kind of game. It's just, it, it's a weird and kind of awkward game to get into. I mean, for most of us back then, you know, we were again, just used to those very simple run-and-jump kind of action games, you know, like Contra or Mario or whatever. And this really asks a lot from you to to figure this arm out because it is not an easy thing to kind of just walk into and, and start swinging around the level. It, it takes a while to really get used to it, like, you know, where it's going to connect whenever you, you know, shoot it out or you know, the, the physics of it, of just trying to get from one platform to another. And it can be frustrating. Like when I was playing it uh, really for the first time, back when I was like 20 or whatever, it even then I was like, this is just kind of, it, it doesn't work very well. But it is one of those things that once, little by little, 
you know, just due to the game's difficulty and what it wants you to do, you kind of start learning how to use it and, and using it well. And, you know, if you really stick with the game, you, you turn into like this weird ninja with this thing, as far as just like knowing exactly where you need to grapple, uh, where, what you need to do to swing around an enemy, you know, dodging bullets, stuff like that. It's, it's all there. It just takes a lot of time to learn. Yeah, it, it does. And like I was saying, it was something I just, I didn't have the time or couldn't wrap my head around playing through now. Um, I, I kind of get it. Um, I, I kind of got it a little better. I, I feel like that swing is a little, I still misjudged it a lot um, because it obviously when you swing across, let's say across a, a gap, you don't immediately just sit down on the other side. It's like you are propelled, you know, by, by momentum and you, you move at least a square or two over, you know, more than I would always predict. So uh, there are a lot of dumb depth deaths when I'm playing this. A lot of stages that just almost are like damn mazes. And I, I would get backtracked so bad still playing through now. But I did find myself kind of embracing that whole thing. It is very useful when to just simply climb up to the next level. Um, you, you reach areas you wouldn't be able to by jumping. Like I, I started seeing the positives of it as I played through. Yes, this is a, a weird game. That's such a strange mechanic to throw in. Um, to, to, no jump, no, no jump at all. Um, like you look at all the big titles on Nintendo, the characters were damn jumping. Mario, <laughs> Samus was jumping. Even Link was in that second one. Uh, so it's, 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 it's strange and it's, it's something new. And I just, I didn't have time for it then, but playing through now, uh, I, I still don't feel like I'm moving around smoothly, but I'm, you know, progressing through, stages i'm still making a lot of mistakes i just i feel like i just can't envision in my head uh but where i'm gonna land uh but it's it's a neat mechanic i the problem i have is i don't know if you could build an entire game off this mechanic i th this seemed like a a fun stage type right just just a fun stage or, or two, or something that returns every now and then. But for this to be the main mechanic in, uh, in these side-scrolling stages, it is something that even though it's a little more manageable, it just, it it does wear its welcome out, because it does feel uh, it, it does feel gimmicky, and it's probably a combination of it feels gimmicky, and I'm not, still not great at it. Um, that I just, I don't know, it just, it's something that kind of Kind of got old after a little bit for me. Still, I, I I found the game. I found a lot more to enjoy in the game this time. But that was one thing that that really stuck with me. Well, even like if you do eventually get used to the swinging, you still got to learn how to progress in the game. <laughs> and even then, you know that's that's another hurdle altogether. Right, because it's not just going from station to station, blasting everything, getting to the end. Uh, in each level, you have to explore to find, first off, there are a lot of levels that are a little maze-like. And some of them, you'll get to a door and it's closed. Or you go in there and there's no boss there yet. You can't go to the boss of each level. Um, and yet that's because other parts of the level you have to find are these 
like teleconference rooms, um, or telecom rooms, uh, teleconference, look at me working at my job all day, uh, telecom rooms where you'll get to, you know, use a radio to talk back to your own team or try to hack the other radio, which is not a mini game. You just hit like intercept communication and you'll get some kind of enemy communication. Sometimes they'll give you a clue on what to do. Sometimes it'll say things like, oh, I'll unlock the door for you. So if you don't find that telecom room and use that, that, uh, communicator, then you won't get to open the door to get to the end of the uh, end of the level. Um, also, some of the later levels, uh, you'll need certain level, certain weapons to even start the level off. You get a, a bazooka pretty early in the game, um, but if but you can only pick one weapon to go into each level with. So if you don't pick the bazooka and you get to a level, uh, I think level six is the first one of these, uh, you, you go into the very start of the level and there's just a big metal wall in front of you. And if you don't have the bazooka, you can't progress. And this is in the manual, I believe, but it's nowhere else in the game. If that happens, I thought... Well, I've screwed up, and you have to restart the whole game. Like that's it. There's no way to exit the level. You're just like, well, I'm stuck. You know, you try to walk off the left side like you came in. Nope. There's nothing you can do. You have to hold down A and B and start at the same time, and you'll hear like a weird sound, and you go back to the main map where you can basically pick up a helicopter. You can do that at any point in the level, by the way. So if you get to a section of the level where, you know, you're down to one health and you're kind of in trouble and you don't really want to restart for whatever reason, because there's no penalty as long as you have continues to to dying over and over again. Um, you can hit A, B, and start and go back to the map. Now, you'll still have whatever number of lives you were on, uh, but at least you'll have a chance to start that level again. Um, bringing up continues, how do you get them in this game? That's a very good question. That is, once you figure out what it is, it becomes very obvious and it's very easy to get them. So uh, on that overworld map, you'll see trucks that drive in between the locations that are the levels. And if your helicopter drives into one of those trucks, the game stops and you get intercepted and you have to do like a little combat round that plays a lot more like the traditional uh, top-down commando levels. Your character is larger, uh, you have a fire button and you have this thing that makes your arms spin around like a like a shield that knocks everything back, but they're very simple levels. As long as you don't just run into bullets immediately, you can get through them at the end. Uh, but if you complete one of those levels, you will get a continue. So if at any point you're low on continues, just fly around the map and hitting those trucks and doing these little battle levels. There's only two of them. They, re they repeat over and over again, uh, but that's how you get continues. So if, if that's not something you figured out, uh, there you go. It is in the manual, but uh, if you didn't read the manual, you would have no idea how to earn more continues. And as a kid, I didn't ever link that together. I just knew that I had some continues and I ran out and sometimes I had more continues and I figured it was based on points or time or something. Nope. It's as simple as how many trucks you finish. Um, to go back to the levels, so once you figure out how to get to the boss room or the boss area, you will have a fight at the end of each of the combat levels. Uh, the fight is always in a room that has like a generator on the far right, and your job is to get to the end and essentially destroy the generator. Now, sometimes you may want to fight a boss first. There could be a big, like it's just a series of regular guys with a commander in the middle that's yelling orders, and they run around and shoot at you, and you have to just kill as many as you can while you're trying to shoot this generator a bunch of times. Other times, it'll be one big giant robot or another guy with essentially like a, a backpack that gives him robot arms like you are. I mean, just, just guys you'd have to fight. They have health uh, at the top. You can eventually kill them if you want to. Or if you're me every time, you just run to the right and do whatever it takes to avoid bullets and avoid getting killed. Just shoot the generator as much as you can to kill it. And if you have a stronger weapon, like the bazooka, for example, it only takes two or three shots to kill most of those generators. So you'll, you can just avoid fighting most of the enemies and just immediately run to the side, dodge, uh, destroy the generator, and you'll end that level, getting you, most of the time, an item that will help you in your mission.
Uh, every mission you start, along with picking what weapon you want to take in, there are three other screens of items. The first time you go to a first level, you get to pick your gun, which is only one gun you get, your default. Uh, then there's two screens of nothing, and then there's a screen with a red communicator in it, and there's only one communicator to pick from. Uh, later on, you'll get things that fill those other screens up. So on the first level, you earn pills. Uh, the pills mean if you select them as the item for the game, when you hit start during the level, it doesn't pause. It instead fills your health back up to full one time. Uh, for, for your, you know, until you go back out to the helicopter and I guess refill your bottle of pills. Uh, there, there are items like that in every single level. Uh, at the end, sometimes they're weapons, sometimes they're things that let you soak up another point of damage, sometimes they are uh, integral to moving the game forward, giving you some extra fuel or something for your helicopter so you can get along a farther path. Uh, but that, that is how you have to figure out what to do in these to, to progress the game is find the communicator, a lot of the time, it, or uh, the communicator room, and it will not only tell you sometimes where the boss is, but it will tell you, uh, you know, to get to Sector 5, you need to make sure you have this key card or whatever, and you have to make sure you go, no, it's not really a key card, but an item that gets you to those levels. They, so if you're not exploring the levels fully and using the communicators and intercepting communications uh, and exploring all the levels you can, you're not going to figure out how to proceed the game at all. You're going to get to probably sector five or six and then realize, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm stuck in front of a wall and I can't exit the level. What am I supposed to do? I, I don't know if that's a problem you guys ran into this time even, but I definitely forgot how to exit levels. And when I walked in level six and didn't have the bazooka, I was like, well, I have to restart. And thankfully, I did look through the manual again real quick. I'm like, oh, thank God. It's it's an awkward game to get through. And, you know, Billy mentioned the map screen, and I think we need to just mention the insanity of this map screen because it is, it's really something. I mean, I, I still to this day, I, I'm sure there's a reason for, for the way it's numbered, but it's basically this, you know, top-down map screen, looks like you're, you know, kind of like a military map or whatever with with numbered squares, and and nothing is in order. You know, it's like you're going to... You, you go to five and then you go to two or something like that. And when I was first playing it, I was trying to play this like a video game where you go to the first stage or the second stage and it doesn't work like that. It And pretty soon you realize you can just kind of fly all over this map if you want to. Um, you know, you, you can just skip a stage or whatever. And that's really how you got to make it through the game is just kind of knowing where you need to be and then, you know, traversing to that stage or whatever. It's it's an odd way of getting through a game. And I'm honestly not sure, like, what people did back in the day, you know. Like, how did you get through this game as a kid? I mean, we played every level and explored every level and found the communicators. But also, every level does give you an item. You don't have to go to every level. So, for example... Um, and I'll have a picture of the map up, but the, the way the game starts, you start at zero, there's nothing at zero, you go to level one, uh, that's where you get the pills. From level one, you can either go to area 13, which you'll notice is a white square, or area four, which is a red square like the one you just came from. Uh, you can skip area... Let's say you just want to go to the red squares, because the red squares are the combat levels. Um, you can skip area four, and you can skip area two, because the items they give you are just, like, they might help you. It's a three-way gun you could use, but... Once you get a better gun, you're never going to use that three-way gun. Uh, and Area 2 gives you a pendant that soaks up one bullet worth of damage uh, per level. So, I mean, that's minorly useful. I would much rather have the pills that refill your health because that's the same block. But uh, you could skip those levels. So you could go right from 1 and then go to 5. Uh, 5 will give you the rocket launcher. And then 6, you need the rocket launcher to go through. You actually can't go farther than 6 at first. You can fly through the first, like the left half of the map and go to all the different areas and check them out. But you won't be able to go from level 6 to level 8, which is kind of the largest path, um, because you need special fuel to get your helicopter past that far. And you get that in the end of level 6. 
or a permit or something. They, they give you some logic why you can't fly that far without this item that you get in level six, but you can't be level six without the rocket launcher get level five. So you have to just, you, you basically have to write out, which is what I did for this game. I drew a copy of the same map and by each thing I wrote what item you get there. Um, and and I, I was able to basically figure out you only really need to hit like one, two, three, four, five, like seven levels total to actually finish this game. Um, but, but you could theoretically do all of them, which is what I did this time because I wanted to get every item. There's, there's something about getting all the items on an item screen that uh, I need. I, you know, if I'm playing Zelda and I see that I'm missing a, an item, I'll, I'll hunt down until I find it. And this is the same kind of thing. Um, but we kind of haven't mentioned, Billy did mention this way back at the start, that there are these areas on the map, on the map there are white squares, that are uh, non-combat zone areas. Uh, basically, you can go into those areas, that's where you can talk to people. Uh, there are clues in those sections as well that tell you what to do. A lot of the time, the, the, the first one, for example, you'll get a flame, uh, like a... Um, let me try again. You get to the, the, the first one of these, you'll get like a communicator so you can use other communicators because there are some levels where if you don't pick the specific colored communicator, you can't get the, uh, use the telecom rooms properly. It, it like comes across as garbled mess. So these rooms are, it will give you clues on where Super Joe was captured. Like, oh, you know, I heard they took him over to Sector, sector 6 or whatever. So you kind of know, not that you wouldn't go in numerical order across the map, but it does kind of tell you, go to that square if you want to find Super Joe as fast as you can. And a lot of the times you'll get to that area and realize you need another item from an earlier step. Um, but, but really, it's all about going to those areas. That's where you get all, uh, you know, a lot of the optional items is in these these non-combat areas. If you do shoot in those areas, like Billy mentioned, uh, all of a sudden, everyone will attack you. If there are guys to talk to, they run away. There, if there are things in the rooms you need, those are still available. But if there are people you're supposed to talk to, and there are sections where you need to make sure you talk to specific people to get a specific item, uh, those people run away if you fire. So it's all about making sure when you're in those non-combat areas that you can use your robot arm to do whatever you need. But you can't use your gun for any reason, or it will immediately basically block off half the purpose of the level till you exit and come back in. And you can die there. So you also have to be careful about that. Man, and it's hard to fight temptation. It really is. For some reason, as a kid, it was it was hard not just fire that damn gun off. It's, it, it seems like it's so much easier. But no, you're, you're putting hard times on yourself. I, I managed these much easier this time. Much better, actually. I made it through, you know, peacefully, reasonably. Uh, so this was another thing where I know it used to be a problem, but I, it's still, it's just another thing that's just so odd to throw in a game. Uh, there, there, so many the, the usual things are removed. You know, we took out the jump for the swing. Now we have, you know, stages here and there where you, you take out the whole shooting aspect of it. Uh, it's it's just a lot of weird little systems in place here and, and gimmicks that this game pulls off or tries to pull off. I guess it successfully pulls them off. A lot of people, a lot of people love this game nearly and dearly. Uh, I still, you know, even going through and being able to play through these a little bit better, I'm not disliking it because I just don't know what I'm doing and, and, and I'm not good at it. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of like, yeah, now it's like, it doesn't really add much to me, add much to it for me. It's, it's like, this could have just been a town where it's all just flat. I could just walk through like one of the little towns in Zelda two. Uh, if you know, if this is the gimmick of it, just let me just walk through and talk to people and do this and that. I don't need to do any extra shit. You know, I just, I feel like it's just one of those things where even though the difficulty or the lack of knowledge on how to play the game isn't a factor now, 
they're just still things where it's just it's it's just kind of little eye rolling things here and there. One of the other things you'll find out as you're exploring through the game um, and mapping out where everything is and where you get each item uh, it, it, to, to eventually get the Super Joe. Once you get across the largest gap in the map from section six to eight, you get the permit that lets you go over there. Uh, that's really where the game ramps up the difficulty. Now, I don't know how far you guys got in this game. Did you finish this for this podcast? I actually I came really damn close. <laughs> I, I'm very close. I did not finish it. I believe myself to if i sat down again i would have it knocked out uh, within a, a matter of minutes i beat this a, a few times in the past i didn't beat it this time but you know it's i i have gone through it well what what makes the second half of the game like the first half is really about learning you know here's here's how you control uh, th- this character with the jump without the jump with just using an arm um, but they really ramp that up towards the last few levels once you once you go across from level six to level eight um not all these levels but eight through through 12 are essentially the end the last level of the game is level 12 but you can't get to level 12 until you clear level 10 and 11 to kind of like open some gates to let you go to level 12 but all those levels have sections specifically 10 and 11 where you have to be as precise as possible with your grapple and you'll grapple from like a light to a light to a light or a post to a post to a post and underneath is nothing but dead air you can die from immediately or spikes that well there's no way out of so you just bounce back and forth until you die um, even with if you have 400 continues somehow I, mean, I don't think you can have that many stock but let's say you have your full like 10 continues you still only get three lives at a time to get through the level and your continue spot is either the start of the level or whenever you enter a door um, like to the communications rooms or there are sections of the levels that are separated by doors. Every door is, a, is like a, a save spot. But if you have to continue, you're back at the beginning of that level from the get go. So if there's one where there's a series of these jumps and level 11 is all fire and spikes and death uh, that you have to basically just use your grappling hook to like grapple over and over again from the ceiling. So you just drop small enough where you can shoot diagonally out again, grab the grab the ceiling and swing forward just a little bit. So you can grab, you know, reach diagonally and grab forward. If you miss one of those, you'll fall into the fire and die or miss one of those you'll fall into spikes and die. And, and then there's those levels themselves, even with a bunch of continues, this time, I've beaten this game many, many times in the past. Uh, those last couple levels required me to die a bunch, go back out to the map, earn a bunch of continues, come back and try it again. Sure, I could have save-stated, but I was trying to play it like you could originally play it because, much like a lot of early NES games, there are no saves in this. You're supposed to finish this in one sitting. There's no password system. I'm sure you can skip some levels once you know what you're doing, but even then... You know, you're still not gaining too much because a lot of levels you can skip are fairly easy. The hardest levels you can't skip. You have to go through them. So you've you've just got to like get through the harder part of the game to make sure you have time and patience to really learn how to use this grapple arm. That that was the part as a kid. I think I I got. I mean, I, we definitely had finished it a couple times because everyone remembers the end of this game. But I I think when you get to those those last two sets of levels, if there was a time I would quit in a fit of rage, it was there. Though there are some of the most difficult grappling sections of any game in that in that section of the game in levels ten and eleven here. Um, I you know I, I don't know if you got to those levels, Billy. I mean, if you've been before, you know what I'm talking about. But there there are some precise ass sections where you've got to just literally if you're one one pixel off what you're aiming at, you will miss that and fall directly into the lava and have to restart a giant section of the same thing. No, I know. I know. This. That's where I tapped out. That was it. Um, 
yeah, for that that reason, it it's precise as hell, and I just I don't feel like this game lends itself to being being uh, being able to pull that off and and demanding you to nail shit that accurate. Uh, it's just it's I don't know. Uh, this happens in games every now and then, where a game makes you want to like Elden Ring when it makes you want to uh, platform jump every now and then to get somewhere. It's not made for it. Like the mechanics that are to do it, it's not made for it. Or you want to go back further, Little Big Planet. When Little Big Planet decided that it was time to be a platformer and you had to make precise ass jumps, it just didn't have it built in. I feel the same for this. It's like, this is okay swinging over wide areas when you got a nice long clearance. <laughs> you know, you got a nice area to land in. But when this game starts wanting you to really nail it, um, and and doesn't give you any leeway. Doesn't give you any any room to mess up. But yeah, that was the that was what what sent me out. It's so close to the end, but I've got so frustrated with it uh, that I decided, you know, I had probably uh, probably seen enough at that point. It's it's rough, and even back in the day when I beat it, I'm not ashamed to say that I was using save states <laughs> for a good mm -hmm. chunk of those levels. Mm -hmm. You know, especially when I saw that there was a, a good bit of platforming up ahead or something like that. It, it's just, you're right. I mean, it, it, it can be learned, but it is not as, as precise as it needs to be for what the game is asking you to do a lot of the time. And it's just a, it, it can be very frustrating when you, when you miss one of those jumps. You know, it, you have to time it so perfectly. It's not one of those things where... You know, if if you miss it by a little bit, you know, it'll kind of latch on. No, it, you have to be pixel perfect with that thing, especially for like grabbing the lamps and things like that. There, There's no room for screwing up. And that's the hardest part with this thing. And, it, you know, I, I can only imagine just having to go back and, and grind for continues just for one more chance to try to make it through because I screwed up a millisecond of, you know, latching onto a spike or something like that it's it, it's just one of those games and you know it's i i enjoyed it eventually and, and was able to appreciate it for what it is but i'd be lying if i said i didn't you know up until the very end of the game i i still wasn't an expert at using that goddamn arm but i will say that you are rewarded for getting to the end of the game with one of the best goddamn bosses in the history of video games yes so in, in the original Japanese version of this game, it's a little more obvious what's going to happen because they kind of spell it out. So the, the ultimate plan of the bad guys in this game is they're going to revive Master D. Master D apparently has the, the key to, to making the Albatross super, it looks like a giant helicopter, like a super weapon. He's the only person that's ever figured out how to make it work or whatever. So they're going to bring him back to life. And, uh, and he's going to you know tell everybody the secret so that he can lead help them lead their army to take over the world. Well... That's the U.S. version of the story. The Japanese version of the story is a lot more blatant that they're bringing back Hitler because Hitler's the only person who can bring the albatross, uh, you know, make the albatross work. And even some of the, the cinematics at the beginning of the game, there's like clearly a dictator guy behind these red flags. Well, the Japanese version, they're swastikas. In the U.S. version, they are not, uh, obviously. But still, when you get to the end, you see they're going to revive Master D. He's, he's after you get through the last level, which is a series of, uh, of like blowing up these, these checkpoints so that you can get to the end. You go to what you think is the last boss. It looks like a commander character in front of this giant 
you know, giant vat with a body in it. And he's like, oh, we don't even need this guy anymore. We figured out how to make the albatross work. We don't need him. We don't need Master D at all. Ha ha ha. And well, Master D wakes up at that moment and breaks out of his container and kills the enemies he don't have to. And clearly... On the Nintendo, it shows you a close-up of his face, and it is clearly Hitler. Hitler has broken out. He's all ripped. He's broken out of his vat that he was brought back to life in. And he then basically says that you can't stop him, and you're like, well, I'm going to stop you. He's like, well, you're a fool. And all of a sudden, it teleports you to a new area where you're going to have to fight him in his giant killer helicopter. You get to, to the last level of the game, get to that section, and you're, you're basically, it's, it's like two platforms and then a blind jump where you're given one shot with this super bazooka that you have to shoot the thing directly in, uh, in its cockpit. It tells you. There's a guy there that's like, here, take this, take this gun, you have to shoot it right in the cockpit. And you get one chance. And if you do it, great. It immensely, it immediately will kill the, the, the enemy, and you get to watch the most incredible cinematic on the Nintendo, which is of Hitler's face slowly exploding in like five <laughs> or six different fra- different frames, and it's incredible. At the time, I thought it was the most graphic thing you could ever see in a video game. It was mind-blowing, and even now, it's still pretty cool. Yeah, and chances are you've seen it, even if you have not played Bionic Commando. Um, I, I had seen this for, for a while, and didn't know that, it, you know, having not completed the game didn't know that it was a, it was from this for for a while the first few times i saw it uh it didn't push me to want to finish the game anymore <laughs> but yeah it's it's shocking in a game that's not you know it's yeah you're shooting throughout but it's not um speaking of things that that, that, that didn't feel deserved or built up to <laughs> for a game that's not overtly violent as far as gore goes Man, they 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 decided. You know, let's throw it all in. Uh, you get a you get a nice damn exploding head at the end of the game. Um, is that enough to make make up for for getting through this? Probably. I guess that's probably one of those endings. Like it's it's the opposite of the usual Nintendo endings where you get that that thank you screen that game that that pops up. Uh, this was a little something more. It's it's definitely one of the more memorable. Um, I'd say NES endings, but probably video game endings. Uh, and it, it, it concludes a game that I still, at this point in time, I don't know how I feel. I, I enjoyed it a lot more, and I got a lot further, and I could start to appreciate the mechanics more than I could as when I, I first played this as a, as a child years ago. But at the end of the day, it's like I got used to the swinging, but I got tired of it. Uh, that, that wore out its welcome. Uh, just a, a lot of things that aren't annoying anymore. I just just became chores. Uh, it's it's not a bad game. I can see why this game kind of has a following behind it. Why people that did play this mostly remember it so fondly. Um, there, there's a lot of good stuff here, and it's it's. I guess it's just things that don't really appeal to me. I, I appreciate the game for what it is, and Jesus, I had a better time with this than I did the uh, that that 360 um, <laughs> sequel or remake or whatnot years down the road. Um, but yeah, it's just it's still one of those. I like it more than I did then. Uh, I, it's a decent game. It just something about it still doesn't click with me to this day. Still got some damn good music though. Oh, it does. Yeah. The music is incredible. Yes. Oh, of course. 
Well, you brought up the sequels, so we should talk about those. There was a Game Boy sequel. Uh, it was kind of a an adaptation of this, but still its own game that came out in 1992. Uh, there was a sequel called Bionic Commando Elite Forces that I never played that came out in 1999 for the Game Boy Color. Uh, there is the one you just mentioned, I think. Uh, in 2009, there was a game, Bionic Commando, that came out for the 360 and I think the PS3, that is a fully 3D new game. It is not a remake of this. It is basically a, a reimagining of the property, but it's a fully 3D game. Is that the one you're talking about, yeah. Billy? Yeah, the, the one with the, the hot dog arm. So I, I didn't play any of the 3D Bionic Commando because I knew at that time I had no interest. But there was, around the same time, Bionic Commando Rearmed uh, that came out that's basically a full remake of this. It, is, it has some extra stuff in it. There are um, some extra skill level levels that require you to really use your arm that aren't in this version of the game. Um, and then that had its own sequel called Bionic Commando Rearmed 2 uh, that was released for uh, Xbox 360, PS3, and, and PC. That is a completely different game. The biggest difference in both Rearmed and Rearm 2 to this game is that you can, in fact, jump. Uh, you jump, but you also get to use your arm, so it makes it much, much easier to get around. The first time I played Rearmed, I was blown away by how simple it felt because I could jump and I could use my arm. However, there is a difficulty setting, so you can go to classic mode where you lose the ability to jump. So you can still finish the game without being able to jump, and you get you get achievements for doing so. But uh, but you should play it where you can also jump. If that's your biggest problem with Bionic Commando, and you can find Bionic Commando Rearmed, which I think is only on Steam at this point. I think it's been pulled from the marketplace for the PS3 and 360, uh, but Rearmed 2 is still there. I downloaded Rearm 2 today on my Series S. Uh, it is backwards compatible. It is the same kind of game, but you can jump and it kind of shows you what this game could have been uh, it, with with more buttons and more abilities. I'm pretty sure the only reason Bionic Commando could not jump in the NES version is because there had two buttons and that's the best you're going to get. Uh, but, you know, I like this game. I like the original Bionic Commando for the Nintendo. Um, the arcade game was, was fine. It's kind of a, a footnote because this game is so different. It, there was a lot of Nintendo games that came out that were arcade properties and then when they came to Nintendo, they're like, we can do more with this console so it has a longer gameplay, but we can't really match what the arcade game is doing because the Nintendo can't do it. So that's why the versions of, of, for Capcom alone, you've got a different version of Stride within the arcade game and this game. And even Section Z is a completely different game than the one that's in the arcade. It, it looks similar for the first level and then it drastically changes. Um, you, you see the same thing with like, we talked about Rygar episodes and episodes ago. The arcade game of Rygar is a very straightforward, almost Rastan style, you know, mm -hmm. beat em up. And you get the Nintendo one and it's got an overworld and there's maps and items and all this other stuff. Bionic Commando's in the same boat where you could tell they, they took an idea from the arcade, realized they couldn't probably make a, an accurate version of the arcade game. So let's let's dress it up and see what else we can do with it. And I think this is better than the arcade game that it's based on. I know that's maybe my, only my opinion, but I think, you know, years down the road, I'd much rather play this than the arcade game. So that's our thoughts on Bionic Commando for the NES. Thank you again, Robert C., for picking that. And if you want us to cover your game, the best way to do that is to go to Retrovania.net and scroll down to the Patreon section. If you join our Patreon, not only can you force us to cover a game like Robert did this episode, but you get access to now over 100 bonus episodes. And they're not just episodes that are different versions of these episodes. They aren't, uh, you know extra stuff added into the ones you're already hearing. These are brand new games that are never going to be on this feed. For, for last month, for example, as we mentioned, we talked about Dredge. We talked about Lock and Chase for the Game Boy and King of the Monsters for the Neo Geo. Those are all episodes that will never be on our main feed, and you can only get them by joining our Patreon. Uh, but also, while you're there thinking, man, maybe I should go to their Patreon, and maybe I should go to their Twitter page, and I should go to wherever else I'm pointed to at Retrovania.net, if you scroll down to the very bottom, there is a question form, and that form allows you 
the listener to write a question to us, the podcast host, that we will answer like we're going to do right now. That's right, boys and girls. The shitter is full this week. Mm. So uh, we're going to get right into it with a question from Logan to Billy. And oh. uh, I oh. believe he's over. Yeah, you're, you're there. Okay, here we go. Uh, and he writes in to say, to Billy, the Mario Kart bitch. Oh, what? And uh, he actually used a, a different word uh, at the end of that, uh, but I was informed that I, I shouldn't use that one. So we're going to go with the Mario Kart bitch. Man. All right. So he says, if you had to pick a video game character, wait, if you had to pick a video game, game character that the other two guys are, wait, what? This fucking question doesn't make any fucking sense. Good job, Logan. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Damn. If you had to pick a video Damn. game character that the other two guys are, who would you pick and why? I, I still don't. Like he's asking, like if you would say, I don't know. I, I, this is a bizarre question. I'm going to be honest. I guess who, what kind of video game character? Like I would say that Billy and you were. Yeah, or, or who you'd want us to be. Or, oh, okay. or right. well, maybe maybe it's who are we the most like? I don't know. It's a weird mm. question. We'll take that. I, I think that's a better question. If if you had to say a video game character that we were each like. I don't know. Maybe that makes more sense. I don't know. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. What would you pick? I don't know. <laughs> Who's the most fuckable character? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm doing this under the guise of which which video game character reminds me of these fellas. And for Jeremy Gregory, it would be it, it, it would, would be Little Mac from Punch-Out. He, he, fighting <laughs> spirit. Uh, never say die. He goes out there even though the odds are against him, and even though he knows that the that life is going to beat the shit out of him, <laughs> he still goes out there and he still fights. And and he, he still, you know, every now and then he gets a win, you know? Every now and right. then he, he treats that day like Glass Joe and just whips that ass. But every now and then, you know, that day, like Don Flamenco, it puts it on him pretty hot and heavy, but he still comes back. Um... Jeremy P. I don't know, man. I, it, would, it would have to be Donkey Kong because he he sure does make me go fucking bananas. Sometimes. Oh, look at that! I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, well, if we're all gonna go around the table and say, then I, I mean, I'd have to go just simpler. Uh, I'm gonna go with you're both uh, Chip and Dale from Rescue Rangers. Jeremy's Ooh. clearly Chip. You're clearly Dale. That's just how it goes. You guys go on adventures together and throw apples at each other. And that's really the best I'm going to do. This is a really weird question, Logan, I have to mm -hmm. say. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how to answer this one. Yeah, we were actually kind of, you know, when we were trying to figure it out, we were going with most fuckable. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> yep. So I still go with Chip and Dale. Same answers. Yeah, okay. All right. Good still Little Mac. <laughs> um, well, for you guys, I'm going to keep it within the podcast. Uh, I... I there is no other character I can think of for Jeremy P besides the, um, uh, the burger time guy. Uh, that is, I mean, that's just who, who he is that's in my true. brain. Mm -hmm. Uh, what's his name? Is it Mr. Salt or something? No, it's, it's, uh, Pete, Mr. Peter Pepper, Peter Pepper. There we Peter go. Peter Pepper. Right. So Jeremy, Peter Pepper and Billy is of course, Waluigi because there is <laughs> no, no other character that, that would ever enter my mind. For Billy, besides Waluigi, and he does an absolutely perfect impression of him as well. Oh, you so, don't get that. You, that's patron only. You don't get that yeah. here on the free feed. <laughs> that's that's true. I'm just letting people know. 
That's you know, it's another selling point. So got to yeah. tease it. But yeah, uh, thanks Logan for the question. Oh, he also wants to uh, include a shout out to the Metroid Fusion playthrough that's going on on the uh, Discord channel, so that everyone knows that we're fun and we love each other. We do, and that's true. We do. Right now, we're about we're about halfway through the game. It's it's going well. We're going taking our pace very slow along with the score challenges. We do try to do like group plays. We did uh, Zelda the the Game Boy Link the Minish Cap. There we go. We just did that one. Finish it up. So now we start with Metroid Fusion. And if you would like to join that Discord channel yourself, mm -hmm. uh, you can check it out on Retrovania.net. It is one of the options there with the other stuff that we do. Just click it. It'll send you right into the, the room where you can participate in all of this madness. And next question comes in from Millie Balladays. And uh, they're writing in about Sega system music. It's actually Billy's favorite subject. Yeah. Since you guys enjoy some good retro music on the podcast, check out this album by, by Mitch Murder. It's for an imaginary Sega CD game called Zero Strike. I promise it sounds a lot better than the usual Sega soundtracks, and it's still got that Sega metallic twang. P.S. Mm. What that mouth do? Damn. Um, we're still not at liberty to answer that. Um, that's that second part there. But yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll give it a listen. I, I like any video one that i don't like any i will give a shot at any kind of video game uh themed or inspired uh music uh yeah and and the sega you know if you can keep the good qualities of it then that's great because it it could do its own thing you know i i've heaped praise on robocop versus terminator streets of rage 2 soundtracks like that um i i can't help it that when I'm sitting here and trying to rattle off good examples and I hit two games, I feel like I've almost done the majority of them. Uh, but I will give that a listen and we will report back on that. Well, we, we should listen to a little bit of it now just to give everyone a taste. Does sound pretty good um you know we, we do uh, often complain about genesis music but i think we also have said i know i have on other other shows specifically a lot of the sega specific games uh when it's done well the sega cd or sega uh, genesis has some some really good sounding games but they have to be really made to take advantage of the genesis sound chip but a, a lot of uh, of companies uh, i'm looking directly at ea when i say this uh electronic arts mm -hmm. games on the genesis sound like absolute trash and there are many games that fall in that category over uh what the the actual sonics of the world could do with that genesis sound chip so this is a neat a neat kind of uh, uh genre that i found this is not the only one i found but but things that are you know Fake soundtracks to 8-bit or 16-bit games are, are sometimes some of the best music I could find online. So this one, Mitch Murder's Zero Strike OST. Um, I'll put that in the comments for, for the episode as well, because I think it's interesting, and, and I like this sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about it before. We don't hate the Sega sound chip. It's just that a lot of the developers that, that used it used weird sound libraries that were, mm -hmm. you know, not great and just produced some of the worst sounds you could possibly make in a video game console, and they decided to call it music. But, you know, there are good-sounding Genesis games. We've covered several on here. So uh, it's, it's, it's become a stereotype, but I, I don't think it's deserved. Uh, there, there's some there's some good music on that shitty ass console, uh, but yeah, thanks Millie Bolladays, 
for writing in. And our next question comes in from Brad. And I hope this isn't the Brad that it might be because might be calling the police. <laughs> mm. Let's just go with it's Brad. And there, he's writing in to say, loving the podcast. Been listening to the podcast for about six months now and put down about 70 of those pitches so far. My God. Still have a lot to go and I'm picking and choosing, but we'll eventually give them all a listen. My question is, what is your oldest gaming memory? I can't quite pinpoint mine, but it's between two of them and I don't know which was first. One is playing Mortal Kombat and specifically the Test Your Might minigame. The other, quite the shift here, Barney Hide and Seek on the Genesis. I played it on the Sega channel. I distinctly remember going around and catching lightning bugs afterwards. I wasn't even sure if it was, was real until I looked the game up recently. I would have been somewhere between five and seven years old. Not too positive. I think we've talked about this before, at least in some way. I know I've, I've talked about my my love of gaming started with the Intellivision. We had one when I was a kid in the in the basement. So I lived in Wisconsin in the, this dark little basement that I'm sure was tiny at the time. I remember it being huge, but it was literally just like an empty basement with furniture with like a chair in it, and then there was a an old TV hooked up with an Intellivision. And the first game I remember playing was Astro Smash and uh, and Space Armada, which is their version of Space Invaders. Um, I was not good at either, but those were very simple games that even I, as a child, could figure out and play. Uh, and from there, it was all downhill. And here I am now doing a podcast about the same games. 45 years later. Uh, as far as like the first game, I'm going to take this one step farther just to not talk about Intellivision again. But the first time I played a game that really like changed the whole way I looked at what video games could do was when when uh, you know when Nintendo came out it was mind blowing the NES how much it could do for a home console but even for that the first game that when we played it I was like this is a whole different whole different like planet of entertainment that I would never even consider was that the first time when Zelda was brand new the first time we played Legend of Zelda it was like me and and the two kids I was playing with, it just we just stood there in amazement. We spent the entire weekend doing nothing but playing Legend of Zelda because it was I'd never played anything like it. It was incredible. So, uh, you know that that's the, those are the two like earliest big gaming memories. Was my very first set of games, and then you know Zelda was kind of where it like clicked, and and I realized I could do this forever, and it will make me a sad old man. <laughs> and I, I have spoken before also. Uh, my my earliest memory altogether. Um, was was hanging out uh, with some some older relatives, and they had the had the old twenty six hundred out, and and watching them play through Jungle Hunt and 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 later on Pitfall, getting to play those myself, uh, first time I had gotten hands on with with a video game. Like I knew they existed before I went in that house, but that's the first time I had, had seen them in person and and actually got to play one, and was instantly instantly hooked in uh you know from that moment uh as far as like and, and jeremy p went a little further with like a, a memory that really sticks out and mine also was that goddamn first zelda and i just remember being so enthralled that like a game could well one be more than something that just kind of moves side to side and you know there's there's an end of a level but the games could like not this game didn't have levels you know you had dungeons but it was still open world uh, it's it's a very tame open world by today's comparison but that was the first one where it's like wow this really like games can break you know whatever whatever mold i had had thought they had to kind of stick around with where they just they move left and right and you just did this and you jumped on things and and that was it uh so yeah, zelda was a big one for me uh that really got me interested in trying out just 
any kind of game I could find, like different kinds of games rather than just kind of the what I had thought was kind of the, the norm at the time. I was trying to think. I mean, I, I guess for me, like the earliest would be going to like showbiz or something and playing, mm. you know, the the arcade games that were in there. Um, either that or or playing the twenty six hundred at my aunt's house. Like it, it had to be one or the other. Either way, I was obsessed with with it. At, after that, you know, that was all I wanted to do. If there was a video game around, that's what I wanted to play. I was just fascinated with that stuff, and it's it's one of those things that's carried on to this day but yeah I, it, it's got to be one of those two because I, I there was very limited access to video games back then um, but yeah thanks for writing in brad and uh you, you'll get all those podcasts down one day we promise mm-hmm. next question comes in from the mutt and he's writing in about lost odyssey i've heard a lot of mm. I've heard a lot of people compare Lost Odyssey to Final Fantasy X, so I thought I would give it a try since Final Fantasy X is my favorite JRPG. I'm having trouble getting into Lost Odyssey, though. Does it get better as it goes, or should I just anticipate it being a slog the whole way? This is a question for you guys, because I I still think it's a slog myself. Uh, I think it does get better. Uh, I don't know how far you are. You didn't say in the question. Um, It... It takes a little while to get moving. It definitely has a slow start. Um, it's not going to be as... Uh, I don't want to say fantastic, because I think it does have some very fantastic moments, but it's not as over-the-top as the world of Final Fantasy X. Um, I think the characters are way better. I mean, I think uh, they're not as 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 unique, I guess, as the characters of Final Fantasy X, but they're also far less annoying. There's no Blitzball. There's no, you know, there's no main character that you hate. Instead, everything's very dark. Uh, but but I think I like that more. But but as far as the, I, I don't know, if, if you're not enjoying it, if you don't think the actual combat is similar to Final Fantasy X, and that isn't enough to keep you interested, I'm not sure if you're going to make it through the end. And maybe it's just not for you. I don't know. I, I mean, I love it, and I'm playing through it again very, very slowly right now. Uh, not because it's slog, because, you know, I beat it two times before, and I'm just playing it when I feel like playing something, because... Uh, it's my new go-to since I have it on the on the Series S. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'd really like to know how far you are to answer that question. But it does pick up later, but it takes a while, and there are definitely other sections later that also become a slog again, <laughs> for better or worse. I, I don't know. I, I felt like this was a game that just... And I normally... I probably wouldn't go for, um, you know, a game that kind of keeps this pace if the story wasn't so damn good. Like if if the little you know stories you pick up in town and memories you pick up, um, that the, they're all so goddamn sad, but it's so good and it's like this game like gets a genuine emotional response out of you as you're playing through, and I and, you know I can't compare it to many others, um, I, and I I can't say that I would have given a game with half a good a story as this uh, a second you know a second look I, I probably would have tapped out a while back because yes this game i i think does move at a, a glacial pace in some part but i the, the story is one of those times where just the it tells such a good story that i i, I want to make it to that next town see that next memory or i want to keep playing through and see what happens with these characters i i really enjoy the characters in it too it does enough good 
to where I can I can excuse a, a kind of a level of gameplay that I normally would pass on. I will take take what you guys say as fact because from what I played it was it was not a good time. It was like you said, the slowest goddamn game I've ever played, I think. And I I don't have much patience for JRPGs these days anyway. You know, unless it's moving at the pace of something like Persona 5, then I am just done. You know, I just don't have the time. Um, but yeah, thanks for writing in, Mutt. And uh, we're going we're gonna to end out on one final question here. Right. And uh, <clears throat> this is from Cole Ostomy. Just now. I literally just now got that. <laughs> oh, man. God damn you. Almost made it through an episode. Almost. I just, I, man, didn't even see that coming until I said it. You fucker. Anyway, he's writing in about question about licensed video game music. Hey, Jeremy. I think he's either me or or the other one. I love the show, and thanks for always reading my letters. You don't have to read this one on the show, but I would still love a reply if you have time. Well, we happen to have time. So I've recently started a podcast called 90s Roulette, where we random where we randomly cover a movie, a game, a TV show app, and a music and music. Um, a music video from the 90s, and we're doing channel skipping segues between segments with static f- sound effects changes and commercials. Now, I understand the deal with licensed music. Music, we have a guy poorly play the song topic on his guitar and berate him in lieu of playing the actual song. But for the game stuff, I'd love to do, do a similar format to what you guys have done with short samples of the game's soundtrack as we often talk about the music. How do you get away with it if the music is licensed, and especially on a Patreon episode where you're making money from the show? Have you had any cease and desist letters or any pushback? Thanks for all the great content, and let me know if you get a second. Jeremy, have you got any cease and desist letters? Uh, I haven't gotten any complaints for the podcast, although that is that is the same logic why we changed our theme song. Um, one, to be... One, I like that song, as I helped write it. But the the original theme we had was a Devo song, and while I doubted we had the pull or or enough interest at first to worry about that, once we started actually getting a, a volume of listeners that was more than the, the five people we know in real life, I, I did feel like that could have been a problem where we get it. I'm, I'm not as worried about video game music. I know that some of it is copyrighted, but at the same time... <sighs> My understanding, and again, my uh, I'm not a lawyer, nor uh, have I ever met a lawyer that would know enough about this, but my understanding from a friend who who used to do the editing for a different podcast I was on, who also used to work for Terrestrial Radio, was if you use less than 30 seconds of a song, you can use it for promotional materials. But I don't know if that's true. Uh, and, and frankly, for a lot of these games, I don't know who owns like the difference of the trademarks on these things. For video games, I'm not worried about it. If if it turns out someone says, hey, man, you're using a reason you can't, okay, I'll, down, I'll pull the episode down and I'll replace it with something else. It's never happened. Um, you know, I hear the sampled music on much larger podcasts than us, and I've never heard them have to complain about it, and they are just taking samples of game music. Um, I think because we're talking about the game and we're using the music as a piece of it, that's fine. I think it's the same thing with movie reviews. You can... You can use a couple clips here and there, but you can't just play the audio to 15 minutes of the movie. So I, I don't know what the time limit is, if that's even a law, um, but I've never heard a word about our podcast. Um, but I do believe for YouTube, we might have gotten some some concerns, uh, but not on not on uh, the podcast. Yeah, I, for your podcast, I, I wouldn't worry too much. But if you're ever wanting to put anything on YouTube, that's where it gets tricky. I mean, it's 
It's not YouTube usually doesn't pull it completely, but they will send you a thing that's like, hey, you know, you you're demonetized or whatever. You know, the, whoever owns the song has has claimed this video as their own, <laughs> and there's stuff like that that can happen. But generally, if you if you stick to just you know out in podcast land, I I wouldn't worry too much about it. You know, as for what Jeremy said, the thirty second rule does it it is a thing. Uh, that is what a lot of the channels on YouTube cling to if they do like music reviews and stuff like that. But even then, like the the bots for these you know big companies and stuff, they're so trigger happy they just pull the pull the trigger on anything they hear. And I guarantee you, if you put a licensed song in your video for any amount of time, it could be like five seconds, you will get like seven notices the next day on YouTube of being like, this has been claimed by Universal or, or Sony or something like that. So that's that's a whole different minefield, and it's best to just steer clear of that if you want to put any sort of licensed music on there. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to do it for, for letters this week. The shitter's empty, so everybody can get back in the bathroom mm. and, and use it if you need to. Um, but yeah, anybody else that wants to write in, head over to retrovania.net, scroll all the way down, fill out that cool ass contact form, send it in. And our next episode, will probably read it or at some point. We have enough mail that it may not be the exact next episode, but that's okay because we have plenty of episodes coming up because we have a handful of patron requests to cover. Again, if you want us to cover your game, uh, best way is to join our Patreon. You can also find that above the question form on Retrovania.net, but it's also always in the comments. Uh, in the comments. It's always in the description for the podcast. Uh, and we'll be back with another patron request in a few weeks. Unless you have the, the Patreon episodes, then we'll have another one in between. And we'll see you then. 